We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. If we live in a world that is based on fear, then you're constantly off balance. You're too afraid to act, to think, to respond to situations. Yeah. And so that results in a kind of a paralysis or it results in a kind of numbness or a lack of interest ultimately in engaging with the world, with nature, with politics or whatever. And people turn into themselves. They turn inward and silo. And what you have are people in rooms able to, at the press of a button, order food delivered to them. At the press of a button, they can get stuff delivered to their house that they need. They don't have to go out. We don't have to go out anymore. You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 178, PH Factor, The Directed Imagination. Are we at a tipping point? Come on in, have a seat. Join the conversation. Today we're going to be discussing the dynamics involved in this place that humanity finds itself at, including things like the infantilization of society, of people, the onrush of technology and information and the relentlessness of it and the overwhelm of it, the fear and anxiety people are feeling, generally speaking, around the globe. All of those things that are kind of coming together at the same time and putting the world in a very strange and in some ways precarious place. And you mentioned the term infantilization, which by dictionary definition, is treating someone as a child or in a way that denies their maturity and age or experience. And you also talked about in relation to Western culture, where this has become a predominant theme in terms of the way we infantilize many things. However, everyday interactions with these technologies have kind of accelerated and normalized our culture's infantile tendencies. Well, yeah, I think it's been accelerated. I don't think it began there. To me, it kind of began with the idea of we are individuals, first and foremost, not so much members of a group. Mm. That individualization has really increased dramatically over the last few hundred years, especially since the Industrial Revolution, in a way. But what that means is that as individuals, we're looking for direction, ultimately. When we're lost, when we're in a state of fear or anxiety, we tend to look for direction from an authoritative figure, from an authority. Mm. Not from the group we belong to, per se, but from above, so to speak. So, for example, Christianity has a kind of father god. A father god implies a parent, a divine parent, and we are children of God, is what people say. So, Mm -hmm. you know, from the deepest religious aspects of our psyche to the way we're raised as children to be seen and not heard, you don't talk until spoken to, all of these things keep us in a kind of infantile state. And then you have advertising coming in big time from the 40s, 50s, 60s onward that infantilizes us even more with the insipid commercialization of everything. And we find ourselves in this place where we feel actually helpless, like a child. And then top it off, you have the last two years of COVID top-down mandating, where the population has no say in it, actually. 
We're just told mm-hmm. this is what you have to do. We know best and do not speak until you're spoken to kind of thing. And mm-hmm. we have felt like lost children for two years. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's how I've seen the way this has unfolded. Well, the fact you don't really have a say in itself is one of the defining measurements of childlike environments. It's mm-hmm. like a kindergarten class where the child basically obeys the teacher. Yeah, and when the child does not obey, as in a bunch of people gathering in downtown Ottawa for three weeks, the dad comes in and slaps the kid across the face and says, get the hell out of here. And that's what happened. And in this case, you would equate that to the authority figures, the politicians and the government bodies that are regulating everything that's going on. The enforcement, the police, yeah, all of that conspiring to put this disruptive kid in his place. So again, treating any dissent as coming from people who don't know enough, who are not informed, who are lower echelon minds, constantly putting down any opposition to the COVID measures and attributing the opposition to people who are stupid, essentially. Mm-hmm. When we talked in the beginning about technology and social media and so on, which are acting as high-tech pacifiers, our daily interactions with smartphones and social media, they're kind of pleasurable because they normalize and gratify these kind of infantile dispositions. Well, the whole like thing, the like button, These dopamine hits that they dole out uh, through social media or are doled out through social media are like little strokes. When we grow up as kids, we tend to want to be liked for the most part. And we're taught that we should want to be liked. And it's good to be liked, right? Because then you get ahead in the world. Mm -hmm. So now we have the adult version of that, which are these likes that people throw at you and stroke you with. It's all infantilization. It just keeps us as children, and also don't forget this too, Peter, that as children, the way we see the world is black or white. It is very in simple terms, right? We have to simplify things for children. And look at the kind of dialogue that has taken place over the last several years online and how simplified it's been in that way. The simplification of it has just been outrageous. Very complicated issues simplified in that uh, childlike way. And some would also say that we're sort of endorsing that whole self-centeredness and inflated exhibitionism. There's a certain promotion on orienting towards the present by rewarding impulsivity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and celebrating constant and instant gratification. We use them for work or pleasure. These devices are fostering a sort of submissive attitude because in order to take advantage of everything that they offer... We have to kind of surrender to their requirements, agree to their terms, and that we're also handing over stores of all of our data. Yeah, sure. It's all part of this turning point where, in a way, we don't know who we are anymore. And Yuval Harari hit the nail on the head when he said that the powers that be, the technological powers that be, are able to hack the human being to the point where they know more about you than you do about you. And that's a very dangerous thing, very dangerous thing. When we think of small children, there's always adults that are supervising or looking over them. Yep. And we've kind of created this even with modern technology via surveillance, where 
much like adults watch children. You're not being treated as an adult. You're being treated as something that has to be surveyed and overviewed and watched. Basically, you become trivialized or amusing. That may be true, but I see it as slightly different. With the onrush of the information age and the inability for people to distinguish what is true from what is not true, what is real from what is not real, our whole reality is shaky right now. So when the authorities come along and say, we got you covered, we got security cameras, we're going to keep you safe, don't worry, we're going to let you know what is real and what is not real, and we're going to keep you safe. And then safety becomes the gateway to trusting the authorities will save your skin and make sure life is safe for you. So we've given over our independence in that way to authorities in return for a safe environment. So basically, don't ask any questions. We'll take care of everything for you. The systems are in place. Yeah. We make the decisions. But there's a certain counterpoint to this in that we're talking about democracy. And democracy and creating policies requires debate. It demands compromise and involves critical thinking. <laughs> yep. Yet we're being essentially told not to do that. Well, in order to engage in critical thinking, an individual has to be able to assess what is in front of them and see the reality of the situation on the ground. But if you can't do that because there's so many contradictory pieces of information flying at you, then there's no way to engage critical thinking because you can't know what the pieces of the puzzle that you're working with, you can't know which is real and which is not real. So it makes critical thinking almost impossible to do. I wanted to talk a little bit about the fear factor here. Yeah. We talked about this before, fear of the dark, which we normally associate with children. Mm -hmm. The mystery. I remember being a young child going into a basement or being outside in the dark around a tree and so on. And there is a fear associated with darkness. Yep. So that particular environment is also not conducive to thinking things through because you're totally preoccupied with the fear that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. If we live in a world that is based on fear, then you're constantly off balance. You're too afraid to act, to think, to respond to situations. Yeah. And so that results in a kind of a paralysis or it results in a kind of numbness or a lack of interest ultimately in engaging with the world, with nature, with politics or whatever. And people turn into themselves. They turn inward and silo. And what you have are people in rooms able to, at the press of a button, order food delivered to them. At the press of a button, they can get stuff delivered to their house that they need. They don't have to go out. We don't have to go out anymore. And so we have kind of become infantile and we've turned inward rather than going out to meet the world in an engaged manner with the critical thought, uh, excited to create new things in the world. All that's been atrophied by the way things have moved towards this tipping point, would you say? Yes, I would say that. And wouldn't you say also that even the way we speak our way of speaking has changed as well. We tend to speak in shorter sentences or use simpler words mm -hmm. because this is the way that a lot of things are being communicated through 
our devices and for advertising purposes. You, you need to get someone's attention in two or three seconds. Our inability to stay focused on anything for any length of time. Yeah. So we've become childlike even in the way we communicate. Yeah, uh, yeah. Short forms. Right. Emoticons. Yeah. We become like little kids who come home after school with their paper full of colored images that they made with crayons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which are the equivalent of emoticons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. You don't even use the word anymore. You use a thumbs up or use a smiling face. Yeah. Look, at the thing is that information and technology is moving so fast that our consciousness, our psyche as human beings, we cannot actually process it. It's coming too quickly. Mm -hmm. And what happens if you can't process what's coming at you? You don't actually have any sense of what is real. Our whole approach to reality is in the dark right now. We are all in the dark about what is reality. And that's a dangerous place to be because anything can happen in the dark, right? We have Russia invading Ukraine at the moment. And we don't know really what to do about it because we can't assess the reality of it without all of these befuddling, clouding ideas and notions about politics and geopolitics and who the Russians are and who the Ukrainians are and all this stuff clouding the playing field. Mm -hmm. So we have no way of knowing how to actually properly address this serious issue that could blow up into something really, really damaging to the world. Well, that's primarily because there are a lot of unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. We don't have the full story, and these would require us to sit and actually be able to ask questions and have them responded to, because you don't even know what the real story is. Yeah. In the olden days, if I can put it that way, a conflict like that would be resolved, well, through the conflict happening. You wouldn't have other nation states or tribes necessarily interfering in that conflict. It would resolve itself through warfare, which is horrible. I'm not saying war is good. I'm just saying the clarity of that kind of way of dealing with life, which is you go through it and you deal with it and it's over at a certain point, is very different now. We can't allow ourselves now to engage in very strong, very direct, very clear outcomes, mm -hmm. you know, because we're too afraid. We are very afraid. It's too risky, you see. And so in a world where we can't take risks, where we are afraid of our own shadows, where we silo and hide from the world and from nature and from each other, what is this world now exactly? It's something surreal and it's something very, in a way, inhuman, in my view. And that's why we're at a tipping point, I think. And that's why we're talking about this today, is this is a critical moment in human evolution. And I don't know how many people are aware of that or thinking those thoughts. I'm sure some are, but... Well, you certainly have me thinking as you're speaking. I'm listening very attentively to what you're saying right now and connects very clearly to the comments we made earlier about the dark. Yeah. And, and it's almost beckoning back to me those thoughts I had being a young boy in a basement or in a dark area outside. Mm -hmm. uh, the inability to do any clear thinking in that moment because you're completely overcome yeah. by the fear, as you say, paralyzed. 
I used to, when I was a kid and I was afraid, when I went to bed at night and it was dark, I used to, <laughs> I used to conjure up Popeye the Sailor Man because he was this strong figure. He would save the day. He ate his spinach. He loved olive oil. And it calmed me down. It allowed me to enter into the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> you just had me thinking about something, though, when you said he loved olive oil. Uh, <laughs> I, that was also something that ran through my head. Even as a young kid, I questioned what the attraction was in olive oil. But uh, that, that's, that's besides what we're talking about. What made, but what made that even worse was that these two guys were actually fighting to the death over her, him and Brutus, you know. Right. But at least I conjured up a figure that had benevolence in him. I didn't have to conjure up a monstrous figure to destroy the darkness and keep me safe. Popeye was just this lovely sailor man, right, who had big muscles. He wasn't a, a transformer figure that would turn into some mechanical monster with the drop of a hat. So it was a different kind of time, a different approach to the dark. We've talked about the dynamics of the tipping point. What are some of the things involved? This predilection for safety, the infantilization, the onrush of technology and information that is confusing everybody and making life unreal in so many different ways. So the question now is, how do we move out of this place so that this tipping point tips in the right direction, so to speak? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is be completely aware that this is happening. And I think many of us are not. I think many of us have been lost in fatigue and fear in this constant and almost obsessive preoccupation with COVID and wars and the rest of it. So we haven't really positioned ourselves to the point of clarity and to the point of awareness mm -hmm. that I think is required in order to even begin the process. And how do we get there? to that place where there is clarity, where there is critical thinking, etc. Well, those words you just expressed, critical thinking, you begin with an individual, not with a group. Critical thinking begins with us as individuals. Mm -hmm. So in the presence of overwhelming conditions that don't allow, say, the mass or the group to undergo that particular transition, it's incumbent upon us as individuals to begin that process. So rather than preoccupy ourselves with all the things we can't control and the big picture, maybe we begin the process by just individually beginning to do that within ourselves and start to make some choices individually. Like what? Like what kind of choices? Well, figure out what it is that you're overwhelmed by first. So for example, if you are overwhelmed by the constant barrage of news, or the fact that you're not getting anything that's very positive and that you can't seem to overcome that feeling, that depression, that sense of inevitability, which is constantly around us now through the media, through social media, through the news and so on. Maybe you decide to remove yourself a little bit from that. You monitor how you spend your time. You try to cut back on those things which are making it almost impossible for you to get back to any kind of normalcy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense on the surface, what you're saying. On the other side of that coin, there is kind of the pessimistic side, which is yeah. too little, too late. Yes, a few individuals wake up to what's going on and they try to do some things individually, but the vast majority of people are not there yet. 
And because the legacy media and the Hollywood uh, moguls and all those people control our imaginations, direct our imaginations, it's very difficult for individuals to wake up out of that, to snap out of it, and to step away from the seduction of the imagination that is constantly going on, whether through film or through political ideas or through what have you. It's a tall order is what I'm saying, Peter, to do that. So how do you feel about it? Would you consider yourself pessimistic? Uh, yeah, I think so. But the thing is this, I think what may untip the tipping, let's say, is not so much individuals doing their own thing and finding their way to a, a deeper understanding of what's real, what's not real and all that. But I think there's going to be something happen in the world at large. Sometimes it takes a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And COVID isn't that event. The Ukraine war is not that event. Something else bigger is going to come down the pipe. That's what I feel. I'm not talking Armageddon, <laughs> but I'm talking about something that is going to happen on the planet that is also planet-wide that people are going to have to wake up to in order to actually survive. And when you go through a traumatic event and a survival event, it tends to wake you up and to deepen your maturity as a human being. I don't know what that event will be. I just have this sense that something is coming in that way. This is the moment for you to show us what is real right now. We believe it's 12.09 p.m. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Could be. This is the first day of the rest of your life. But if you want it, you gotta fight for it. Do you remember how you got here? You've lost your capacity to discern reality from fiction. What's real is here and now, 12.10 p.m. Anything else is just your mind playing tricks on you. It becomes a problem when fantasies endanger us. We don't want anyone to get hurt, do we? Children often use their imagination to get themselves out of difficult situations. Would you say that's true? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. So, if you've ever been abused as a child or if you've ever encountered loneliness or isolation, you create characters, you create your own storyline yep. in order to get you through whatever situation you're in. Right. Essentially, what I believe has to happen to society at large, we need to redirect our imagination. We need to conceive of something different than we currently have. Yeah, yeah. We need to take back our imaginations, actually, to reoccupy our own landscape, our own inner landscape, and to be present in it and in ourselves, and not to be thinking other people's thoughts constantly, feeling other people's emotions, 
and find out who we are as individuals and what we really feel and what we really mean when we say something and what is real for us. I think we have to get back to the fundamental of what a human being is and how we've fallen away from what a human being is through all of these distractions and movements and institutional edicts and all this stuff that comes at us from all directions. I think there's something else, too, because in Western culture, mainly and specifically, probably the United States is considered the most individualistically focused society in the world, with some of us not that far behind in the Western developed world. And my thinking on this is also to focus on the fact that we share more than we don't. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The only way to connect to your community, to your society, to the world, is to feel connected to other people in that way, that we share with them more than we don't share with them. Actions. We're more the same than we are different, in other words. Exactly. And to be aware of that, because if you focus on the common ground more than the differences, you change your image, you change your viewpoint, you change your focus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if it's not this tipping point, it'll be another tipping point. Yeah, sure. I think the world kind of lurches from critical moment to critical moment through history. The wars, the world wars, the catastrophes that we experience on the planet, whether natural or man-made, they all push us to a tipping point and force us to rethink what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing where we've come from, where we're going as human beings. But we have to keep that in mind. Otherwise, we tend to fall asleep after these traumatic moments in history. And we fall into these sort of trance-like places where we lose ourselves and we don't know what's real anymore. And I think we've hit that place again here. And we have to now climb our way out to a new sense of who we are as a humanity, as a planet. Otherwise, I think we're going to just keep falling down these rabbit holes mm -hmm. and keep getting lost. So we have to find our way out. That's the challenge. If there's a decision to be made, should we base that decision on numbers, as in the value crisis, Andrew Welch's book, The Value Crisis? Or do we make those decisions based upon the human in us and what makes us more human. So if something makes us more human, we move towards that as a decision. If it diminishes our humanity, we move away from it. That kind of thing. To use these measures for our movement that really take into account human life and human meaning and not diminish it. Maybe that's one way of working. In a way, we really have to tap into the species-specific skill of imagination, which is not practiced by any other species other than our own. Right, and it's got nothing to do with numbers and nothing to do with how much profit we make, and it's got nothing to do with personal branding and nothing to do with commercialization and monetization of everything in the universe. Everything to do with the simple fact of our existence, that we live, that we die, that we breathe, that we do get sick. All of these things that make us human have to be held in sacred trust, if I can put it that way, and not allowed to be hidden or damaged or destroyed by the crassness of where life has come to in many people. 
We're actually trying to avoid things or pretend that things don't exist, as if aging doesn't exist, or that you'll never die, or certain realities that we no longer want to confront. Exactly. Instead of just accepting them, not be overcome by them, not to become morbid about them, but as we talked about with childlike and adult-like behavior, a childlike behavior is more of an escape function. Yep. <laughs> run away, run away. Yeah, run away, don't face, don't confront, yeah. don't accept, and this is the way we're being treated. Yeah, so I think what we're getting to here, as we wrap this up, this conversation, is we're getting to the point where we have to become adults. I think that's really the point. If we've been infantilized, we have to shuck that off, and we have to mature and become the adults that we can be and that we are and begin to make decisions that are responsible to the planet and to ourselves and not beholden to some ideology or technology or politics or money or greed, but to the simple values of human life and what humanity stands for in its core, in its heart. That's what I would say. So all of those values that we know are good things, are right things, we have to bring those to the front again because they've been dampened down, they've been hidden away and diminished and demeaned in some respects. So we have to bring back what is good in humanity and put that at the forefront when we make any decision as we move forward. And imagination has no conclusion. Yeah, that's a good way to end this podcast, to recognize that, that imagination has no conclusion. It's ongoing and ever-expanding, and that is a good thing, and we should foster that. And on that note, Ciao, Peter. Ciao, Harry. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.